Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I hope you are feeling well. I am great. I have to say I am absolutely loving my podcast life, loving putting this together for you. And I want to say another quick thank you for all your feedback. I really appreciate it. Um, I know lots of you are getting in touch to say that you missed the music from when I had the show on the old radio. And I totally get that. But for rights reasons, I can't have music on this podcast unfortunately but I am going to try and get you regular playlists though and I will link my Spotify in the show notes so that you can check those out if you want I also hear those of you very kindly asking for a little bit more I've had lots of you saying that you want more more time maybe more episodes and I would love that that's 100% something that I'd love to do but we've only just begun, you know, and I am a one woman operation. So I need to just get into the rhythm of this episode first. And then we'll see if I can, if I can expand a little bit in the next few months. And if you even want more in the next few months, you could be sick of me by then. And, and, you know, I would fully respect that. That's absolutely your right. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, yeah, everything's good with me. Um, Big development in my life. I successfully took my children to a restaurant not once but twice over the course of the last week. Now, I know what you're thinking. What kind of highfalutin fancy person am I? Two restaurants with the kids and in one week. Um, it's just, just the way it went. You know yourself. Sometimes it just happens this way. But yeah, I... I honestly don't think I ever thought there would come a day where I'd be able to take my children to a restaurant and like sit and have a reasonably enjoyable meal. But uh, Sam is five and a half now. Ted is just about to turn three. Ted's also just a little bit more chilled out than Sam was. Sam was a pretty high octane, high octane, high octane kid. Um, And yeah, it just feels like we're kind of turning a corner. Like the game is changing. And why am I saying this? I'm not saying this to boast if you're still in the tunnel, if you know what I mean. Um, I'm saying it because I want to give you a light at the end of the tunnel because honestly, I just never, I couldn't believe that this time would ever come and it is coming. Things are getting easier. I can really feel it. Now, I still simultaneously obviously feel like I'm failing everyone all the time because trying to balance work and kid life and trying to get a bit of a social life in there as well is almost impossible. Um, So don't worry. I still, I'm still stressing, of course, because how can you be a mother and not be stressed all the time? Um, but, you know, th- 
the options are opening up in terms of what we can all do together and that is a really beautiful thing so maybe that can be your little light at the end of the tunnel in case you feel like you're drowning I saw it's funny this week on my social media I saw loads of women loads of moms just saying that they feel completely overwhelmed at the moment and I think I think part of that is that we are all getting back to kind of a normal, more normal rhythm of life post pandemic. And we're not used to it. Like we're not used to socializing the way that we used to. We're not used to, you know, work events or like, you know, maybe work travel is back for you, whatever it is. We're not used to that rhythm of life and our kids aren't either. So, I mean, my kid, Sam is certainly giving me a lot of guilt trips. He doesn't mean it to be a guilt trip, but he just wants me to be at home with him all the time. And he's not used to that not being the case. And so then obviously that feeds into your own feelings of guilt or whatever. And I don't believe that as mothers, we all have to naturally feel guilt all the time, but I'm feeling it at the moment. So I just thought I'd say, if you're feeling that way, you are not alone, my friends. Anyway, on to the episode. As always, we are going to start with a catch up of the week's news with the wonderful, the graceful, the Beyonce of Derry, Aoife Moore, a political correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Well, Aoife, it is lovely to be back with you once again. Um, we've got a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. And um, it's funny, last week we were talking about the fact that in a way, you know, as is normal for human beings, we were becoming a little bit desensitized to what mm-hmm. was going on in Ukraine. And then I feel like that changed substantially this week. Yeah, I think if you had been trying to put Ukraine um, and the invasion to kind of back of mind, the atrocities and possible war crimes that have been carried out this week in Busha. So Busha, um, for those not in the know, is is more like a sur- uh, suburb of Kiev, um, really populated area. Um, we know, according to Ukrainian sources, that Russian tanks and troops um, invaded uh, Busha and they now allege that war crimes took place. So tanks basically rode over. By the way, sorry, I meant to say at the top, this stuff is not easy. It's not easy to look at. It's not easy to read about. It's not easy to talk about. And it's not easy to listen to. So if you're not in a headspace where you want to hear about war crimes, uh, feel free to skip forward about five minutes and um, mm-hmm. and you can skip it because I know that this is hard to stomach. Yeah, this is pretty grotesque. Um, so if you're not, yeah, if you're not able, don't. But um, from what witnesses have said and what we have heard um, from Ukrainian sources, um, Russian t- troops and tanks entered the suburb um, and indiscriminately went into residential houses. They um, shot uh, in the residential homes. They threw bombs into uh, residential homes. They dragged men uh, into the streets. Um, There have been a number of images. We had one on the front page of the examiner of men with hands, their hands tied around their back, their corpses lying in the streets. Satellite images showed uh, civilians lying, uh, corpses lying in the street. We have heard from the Ukrainian president, he told the UN that rape is now being used as a weapon of war, that women had had their tongues caught out in front of their children, that they are no longer looking for men who had served in the Ukrainian army, but they were now murdering um, indiscriminately in, in front of uh, women uh, and children. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, told um, the Irish doll this week that 167 children alone have been murdered by Russian troops um, since the beginning of the invasion around 45 days ago. It's just... um, yeah, so I'll try and fly through this. Um, 
uh, Ukrainian authorities have spent days clearing the bodies. Um, there are now mass graves. You know, I was listening to a podcast today with a woman who'd buried her own daughter in their backyard and because she didn't really know what else she was supposed to do. Um, you know, this is now going to go to um, basically a war crimes tribunal. We know from Bosnia and everything else, uh, war crimes are not easy to prosecute. Mm-hmm. Um, if it even if it even gets there, it very much does appear that if you are murdering civilians indiscriminately, tying people's hands behind their back, uh, rape as a weapon of war, these are all war crimes. Um, so, as you said, if you were trying to ignore or if Ukraine was becoming a bit of background noise um, in the no- news that you take in, I don't think anyone could have ignored it this week. And I think what did, uh, especially for the Ukrainians, is that it was so close to Kiev, the capital. Mm. Uh, it's a suburb of Kiev. Now, we do know that Russian troops have since left Kiev mm. um, and Ukrainian troops have retaken Bushehr and still have Kiev. But... This is definitely an escalation in what was a pretty horrific and bloody war or invasion anyway. It is awful, but I think it's important that we talk about it. It's important that it's acknowledged that we don't kind of put our heads in the sand because, you know, we we can't live in a world where this is allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I've spent a lot, of, a lot of time this week just uh, discussing with my husband. I wrote mm. about it um, for my column in the Irish Independent this Saturday about the fact that, like, it's very hard to get your head around the fact that this is being allowed to happen because mm-hmm. at a at a at a very senior level, obviously, mm-hmm. there had to be a decision about whether or not we wanted to be in World War Three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally it. And the decision was made that we weren't going to have World War Three, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, NATO wasn't going to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this seems to be the price that is being paid as a result. Yeah, well, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian um, president, addressed the UN and um, the uh, Houses of the Oireachtas this week. Um, he told the UN, basically, if you're going to allow this to happen, then you can wind up your operation because what is the point? He made a very impassioned um, speech to the Security Council, which Ireland is a temporary member of, and said, something has to be done here. This is on your watch. He compared um, Russia to ISIS at one point and said, you know, I don't really see the point in this organisation. It was very, very impassioned. He then um, made <clears throat> a similar speech not um, to the doll, um, mm. which I thought was very heartening. You know, he's spoken to the US Congress and the Canadian Parliament and the House of Commons, and now he's spoken directly to Ireland. He said that he was incredibly grateful for Ireland's response. And although that we are a neutral country, we are not neutral in times of war. He thanked us um, for humanitarian support, financial support, and talked about how Ukrainians had found shelter uh, mm. in Ireland. The it was really emotional. Um, you know, there was young Ukrainian children there. You know, young Ukrainian children who now go to school in Dublin had pro- uh, protested or outside the houses of the Iraqis that day. Um, the Taoiseach made a very powerful speech where he said, you know, we are a country who knows what it's like to be invaded and we are a country who knows what it's like that people have to leave their families and leave their loved ones and said, you know, basically that our door would always be open, that they have a friend in Ireland. Um, it was incredibly powerful and Ireland has been a great advocate for Ukraine joining the European Union. You mm. know, 
Zelensky asked uh, directly for the doll to very much push for this um, mm. so that Ukraine could become a full member of the EU. Michal Martin said, absolutely, that we would back this. Um, he gave us some stats. Uh, Zelensky gave us some stats, basically said, you know, 258 hospitals have been attacked uh, in four to five days of war, 78 ambulances. You know, this is this is war crimes um, mm. by anybody's standards. So it was... Um, it was incredibly powerful. If anybody hadn't seen it, I would recommend going to watch it because it was something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. It's the first wartime president, I think, to address the all. Yeah. Citizen of Ireland, thank you for supporting sanctions against Russia. Thank you for the humanitarian and financial support extended to our country. And thank you for your caring about Ukrainian people who found shelter on your land. Now, there were a lot of money stories this week mm-hmm. in the news. Um, you know, we all know the cost of living is on the rise and uh, the central bank with their economic forecast basically said that, you, well, you, you're going to say it more, be- more better. <laughs> more be- <laughs> you're going to say it more better than mm-hmm. I will. Um, but basically, wages can't c- catch up with the cost of living. Yeah, basically, I, I'm not going to lie, inflation is something that is a bit beyond my comprehension, but I'm going to be try and explain as best I can. But basically, prices are going to continue to rise. Real household outgoings, we know petrol, heat and oil, food, all this is going to get more expensive. And basically, our wages are not going to catch up. This is the first time um, that are, it's called a real income. So real incomes are to fall for the first time since 2013. Basically, inflation is outpacing wage growth. Um, and things uh, things are going to get worse before they get better. There was good news, though, because um, the artist income scheme was launched this week. Yes, this is something that is I have seen so many people, maybe it shows you the people I hang around with, <laughs> but so many people on my Instagram very, very pleased about this. So this is a universal basic income for artists. It's a pilot scheme. There will be 2,000 people that can be painters, musicians, comedians, writers. And you, when you enter, if you... Um, reach all the criteria you'll be put on the lottery and 2,000 people are picked out and you will be paid 325 euro a week in order to facilitate your life while you work on your craft wherever your creativity is um, this is something that was in the program for government it's a huge aim of the Green Party and has been for a while so it was a really big deal this week the Minister uh, for Culture Catherine Martin very excited um, to announce it and I think it's an all around good thing they'll obviously um, it's a pilot so they will obviously be monitored see how it works and basically I think it is a good way to put their money where their mouth is if we are a country who appreciates the arts appreciates culture who sells ourselves on songs and stories this is the best way to do it yeah I agree it's great news it's good news Um, and then <laughs> We learned about Ireland's billionaires on the other side of the coin. Yeah, I find, I find it very hard to think about billionaires. Um, I, let's not get into the ethical dilemmas about um, billionaires. But yeah, so there are nine Irish people on Forbes' billionaire list for 2022 with a combined net worth of approximately 54.8 billion. So the Irish list um, is a man based in 
Mumbai. He runs a construction plant. It's not that exciting. Um, so we'll move on. <laughs> um, second are the Collison brothers. I think most people our age know who the Collison brothers is. So John and Patrick, who co-founded Stripe, um, they have a net worth of $9.5 billion. Um, wow. And Stripe is obviously headquartered from Dublin and San Francisco. How old are they again? Too young. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. That's fine. They're from Limerick, currently. Fair play. Um, Fair play. Yes. Yeah. Um, the uh, the next guy is technically American, but renounced his uh, citizenship. He <laughs> has his kind of boring as well. But um, yeah, and then Dennis O'Brien. Oh, a man still, we, still uh, in there. A man we do not hear from or about a lot anymore. But yeah, for people who don't know, Dennis O'Brien used to own uh, the independent media group. And he has a net worth of three point eight billion. Um, a propos of absolutely nothing, there is an absolute. Uh, there is a famine going on in places on Earth at the minute, and uh, just would like to, you know, just drop that in at any point. You know, there's a grill. Look, I'm not going to beat around <laughs> the bush. Let's be honest. If all the billionaires would have to do, like, just one of them. Maybe not those guys, but like the really rich billionaires like Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. could just wake up one day and say, do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to solve world hunger. Or it's just something good. Like that's an option for him. Like I can't understand if you if you were that rich and you knew you had the option to literally change the world. For good. For good. Yeah. How could you convince yourself that it would be a better idea to go up into space? I, do I don't think, understand I it. do think a lot of this. Um, so the Jeff Bezos is and the Elon Musk's of the world. Like, I think you, you don't become that rich overnight. No. It's a, it's a phase process. And I think they're obviously surrounded by flunkies and they're told that they're right all the time. Yeah. And yeah. as you get richer and richer, like that's an astronomical, pardon the pun, wealth. <laughs> and I just think they don't live in the same world as us yeah. anymore. Well, I think... At least Elon Musk thinks he's changing the world. Like he really thinks he's contributing in a in a huge way, like for a seismic shift in terms of the planet and the way the planet functions. I remember a time when I didn't know who Elon Musk was and it was much happier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on from billionaires and let's talk about nightclubs because this week we're gonna finish on some good news. Yes. And I, I love, actually can't believe I this. actually love the fact that this always comes back to Leo Radger. This really <laughs> seems to be, even though it's got really nothing to do um with him, this is always his thing. So basically nightclubs are going to get the green light this year to remain open until the early hours of the morning um it has been pipped as six o'clock in the morning but basically they leo ragger wants us on the same playing field as lisbon berlin london we're going to start treating adults like adults and stop throwing people out of nightclubs everybody on the hardcore street at the same time so no one can get a taxi and fights start and it's a pointless endeavor so legislation is going through Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice Department, hopefully by this year. And they will be basically broadening our existing licensing laws, bringing us in kind of in line with the rest of European cities. You know, this has been floating around since 2019. Mm. But practically, it just doesn't, you know, I obviously come from a bar family, but it does not make sense to turf everybody out no. in the city centre at the same time because we know issues then with 
fighting and taxis and transport and yeah. everything else so it just makes more sense i also feel like the licensing laws that ireland has at the minute is a very parochial thing it harks back to a time where we didn't trust ourselves we had drunkenness yeah and yeah this is only a good thing it's good yeah. for hospitality it's good for everybody so i think this is a i think this is a good thing um it's also interesting because i think that our attitude towards alcohol is changing mm. um i think the evidence would indicate that the younger generations are actually drinking less mm-hmm. um, Fair yeah and um you know i have to say big up sunil sharp on the mm-hmm. give us the night campaign who worked so hard on this for so long mm-hmm. and everyone who's campaigned for this it's great news um now i do think it says something about me and where i am in my life you don't think it's going to a lot of you. the reaction i saw was people <laughs> sharing memes of like oh god <laughs> I can't stay out that late <laughs> I can't what um like Annie Mac did you see, see yeah, Annie Mac is launching and start raving at like sex and yeah elderly homer I'm like yes that sounds very appealing no I'm still on the cusp I'm very excited about well to be o'clock. honest cut to me at six o'clock standing outside some nightclub going I've, where are we going <laughs> I've been on nights out with you so <laughs> I, I enjoy a night out when I'm liberated from my children uh, from time to time Okay, well, Aoife, thank you so much. Thank Aoife you. Grace Moore. Aoife Moore. Oh my God, when am I going to stop doing that? Aoife <laughs> Moore, political correspondent from the Irish Examiner. Um, where can people find you, Aoife? At Aoife Grace Moore on Twitter. And do please buy the Irish Examiner. 100%. Thank you so much. This week, I had the opportunity to meet and have a chat with Katie McCabe, who is the captain of the Republic of Ireland women's football team. And she also plays for Arsenal, who are absolutely top, 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 top of their game. Um, And we didn't meet to talk about football because that would be stupid because (laughs) that's not something that I could really... um, hold a long and in-depth conversation on. However, we did have a lot to talk about because Katie is an ambassador for the Dove Self-Esteem Project and I'm actually working with the Dove Self-Esteem Project too. Um, And she was out and about to chat about the fact that unfortunately body image impacts a lot of young people in terms of the way that they choose to spend their time and in fact a lot of young people are completely opting out of extracurricular activities because of the way they feel about their bodies and it was also just a great chance to talk to her and ask her about what it was like to kind of get into football as a woman um, and how it impacts your life and you know even things like having kids and all that kind of stuff she's absolutely lovely I am now her number one fan and I'm sure you will be too so have a listen to this. Katie McCabe, first of all, it is a pleasure to meet you. I live in an Arsenal house, so my husband was delighted that I was going to <laughs> chat to you today. I won't lie, I'm not that dedicated to the team myself. I'm more of a Bose girl, but like, you know. You're Bose. Oh my God, the other side yeah. of Dublin. Well, I always say I'm not that into football, but I'm really into Bose. Okay, like, okay. I can I take just, that, yeah. I live in Fibsborough and... They're just so community centered. It's gorgeous. Like I love I have two sons and I love that they're grown up kind of with that kind Bowls of club fans. in the area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a I'm a Shamrock Rovers head, obviously being oh, a, my dad. a Taliban. Yeah. That's my dad. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you can imagine. That's gonna be fierce rivalry then in the household though. Yeah, he keeps threatening to buy my son's <laughs> Rovers jerseys and my husband is like absolutely not. Oh my god. So it'll be a life of, of jokes which are not that funny, but you know, that's how it's going to (laughs) go. So obviously you are so successful in football. You're captaining the national team. You play for Arsenal, who I know are the best of the best, as I said, because my husband keeps me up to date. (laughs) Um, How did you start out in football? 
Um, so for me, I grew up in a big family, so I'm one of 11. So I've got four brothers. 11? And, yes, I've got four brothers and six sisters. Wow. Um, so I'm fifth born. Um, yeah, so. So you grew up on a football team? Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. Um, so yeah, my older brother, speaking of obviously Shamrock Rovers, he um, he was really into football and then eventually played for, for Shamrock Rovers. But he was probably the first kind of to kind of get me into football um as well as my dad we used to have a football in the house and kind of smash every um piece of everything my mom had <laughs> on the mantelpiece and yeah yeah and um, so yeah it would have been my my brother and kind of my dad to first kind of put a ball at my feet I suppose so it was just natural yeah I think so um yeah they they seem like we'd go around to the local park and you'd have like mini world cups mm-hmm. back in the day um every summer and um I think my dad seen me kind of dribble by a couple of boys similar my age and yes. kind of shake them off and he was like oh she's got a bit so yeah. um kind of progressed on from there and did other girls your age at that time play football as well or were you kind of one of the only ones like I was probably the only one um there was another girl in my primary school Amy her name was she liked it but I think it was just because we were like friends she used to just kind of play it but yeah. um yeah she quickly kind of stopped yeah <laughs> um and that was really young I think we were literally like six or seven at that stage um mm. so I would have been then the only kind of girl in an all boys team um my brother uh Shane who's younger than me um that we're actually pretty close in age I think there's like 16 months or something between us okay. um and I, yeah <laughs> yeah my poor mother she's a saint to be fair um we used to I used to just play with him and his friends um I still yeah me Shane Aaron Nathan we just get the mini goal bring it around to the pitch and just literally play all day so that sounds like a really nice way to grow up honestly it was uh so yeah organic like you, you don't see it as much anymore which yeah. really makes me sad um yeah. the four of us lifting the goal around the corner yeah um, or even the jumpers as goalpost type thing yeah um and yeah it, it definitely molded me into kind of who I am today I, was, I, I would say yeah it's super well the reason that we're talking today and I'm delighted to be chatting to you is because we're both actually working with Dove on the self-esteem project um which I love um and Dove do research into young people how they feel about their bodies and how that's impacting their lives or how they feel about themselves really but one statistic that came out this year which is just I mean, I find devastating, but also not that shocking because I was one of these girls, is that 70% of girls and 62% of boys in Ireland have not attended an extracurricular activity because of the way they felt about their appearance. And we know from other research and from research in general that girls tend to kind of fall away from sport as they get older because of this kind of thing. What kind of relationship did you have with your kind of appearance and body when you were younger? Well, growing up, um, I, for me personally because I played football since literally the age of five, I had bigger legs than the rest of the girls. I was in all-girls skill, primary skill, all-girls skill, secondary skill. So you obviously had to wear the socks and the um, the skirt and this mm-hmm. and that. So I would have been very self-conscious about my legs um, mm-hmm. just because they were bigger than the other girls and I'd, I wouldn't be as confident kind of wearing... Um, yeah, the skirt, I'd much rather wear my tracksuit in and maybe mm-hmm. that's the tomboy in me as well. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, and then I soon realised that when I kind of, through my teens, playing with like then Ireland teams or kind of regional teams, um, you're kind of seeing people similar to you. So yeah. like she's got like 
quite strong legs too and this and that yeah you had um, obviously an athletic build because yeah, you were an athlete i didn't think it was an athletic build at the time i was just like oh my legs are bigger but um my dad always said that they'll get me far yeah. um and that always kind of stuck with me and um yeah just obviously going going through that i think having then with those girls and the regional teams and this and that kind of having that athletic build too made me feel more comfortable in myself to be like okay that's just because of what we do and yeah um like to this day now they're my tools like it's it's what I do to perform now so it's so funny because I want to come back to that to that point that you just made that they're your tools and they're the thing that have gotten you to where you are but I'm just thinking about when I was a teenager uh, and a kid I played football from when I was about eight I hated it <laughs> I hated it I only played it because I wanted my dad to like like me more <laughs> and I thought that it would work it didn't um we're we're great now I would just like to say but at the time our relationship was a bit tricky um and I never had an athletic build. I was always a big girl, like always. Um, although it's funny because I look at photographs now of myself when I was nine and I'm like, you're actually just normal sized. Yeah. But at the time I thought I was really big. And that continued on with me, that that headspace. And, and on every team that I ever played on, I felt like I didn't belong because I didn't look like the other girls and I didn't have the kind of body that the other girls had. And all I wanted was that kind of, the build that you're describing. Yeah. And I suppose what that says is that it really doesn't matter if we grow up in a world that teaches us to be so critical of our bodies, it really doesn't matter what kind of body we have because we'll find something to criticize. Yeah, no, 100%. We all have our insecurities. Um, and like back then, no one, uh, like no one, there was like not bullies. I, I was never bullied over my, my legs or whatever like that. It was just kind of my own kind of insecurity kind of comparison. Mm. And like comparison is the thief of joy. Like, mm. you know, it's, it's you just shouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, for me, God, what am I trying to say? Yeah, no, for me, like, I think it was just so important to kind of have that support network around me. Like, yeah. as I said, I came from a big family and um, having my older sisters and even like my younger brother to kind of egg me on. And yeah, that that meant that meant a lot to me to kind of, yeah, yeah kind of get through any kind of inner struggles I had. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, and I suppose the reason that I said I wanted to come back to you saying that your, you know, your legs are the thing that got you to where you are now is that, I can't help but think, and obviously the research indicates, that there are probably girls who may have been in the same position as you, but maybe didn't love football quite as much as you, or maybe didn't have the infrastructure, the family support and all the rest, who might have just packed it in. Yeah. If they felt like, oh, the football is giving me the big legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Um, and I think, like, for for me, it was it was always about kind of talking to people as well. Like, I, I, I would confide, as I said, like, my, my sister, I would always confide in, like, my sister and saying, like, oh, like why do I have big legs and she was like it's because you're like amazing footballer mm -hmm. type thing and on the flip side of that like I remember like going to like underage discos and that and it being my worst nightmare because as I said I would rather be in shorts a jersey tracksuits tomboy like mm. loved it and when it came to underage discos I'd have to obviously get dressed up and because I had my sisters around me to kind of be like look you look great and kind of help dress me up and I'd still be like standing there like so awkward but uh they kind of gave me that confidence to kind of yeah like go to the disco and, and be comfortable isn't it interesting now like I mean you're still like you're very young but I think things have changed Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome um you're younger than me anyway <laughs> I think things have changed significantly since we were kids and even since you were a kid in that now I feel like kids that age, you know, if they are a tomboy or whatever, or however they identify, whatever their kind of leaning is toward the way that they want to express themselves with their clothes or their appearance or whatever, I 
in my head, I feel like things have improved. And maybe if you were growing up now, you'd just wear your tracksuit bottoms or whatever you wanted to wear. But then I uh, think that's it it shows how much we've progressed as a society. Um, I've got a younger sister who's 14. um, Who's also loves tracksuits, jerseys, plays football. Um, And she reminds me of when I was that age and the opportunity she has now to whether that's to wear a pair of yeah, combat or something to a disco or yeah. whatever it may be. Um, she has the opportunity to do that and won't probably feel scrutinized by that or like bullied or, yeah. or anything like that. Um, and as I said, like that's, I think it just shows the progression we have we've like come as a society as a society yeah because that's that would be my instinct as well is that things have improved and obviously you're seeing it with your sister and i see it with other kids in my life but then you look at this research from dove yeah and it's crazy you know 49 percent of boys do not feel good about how they look 90 percent of girls do not have high body esteem 70 percent of girls as i said and 62 percent of boys in ireland are not attending an extracurricular activity because the way they have felt about their appearance like clearly insecurities and the way young people feel about themselves is having a huge impact on the way that they live their lives even if maybe they can express themselves in some ways a bit more than they used to yeah I think like conversation is key and it's not a comfortable thing to do Mm -hmm. um but I think if we start the conversation and skills and with each other whether it's you sitting down with your sons and being Mm -hmm. like like how do you feel today Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like in in uncomfortable surroundings I think that will help help kind of spark the change I think you're right. I mean, I think it is about conversation. Um, and, and I suppose I'm conscious of the fact that women, it's mostly women who listen to me, and uh, <laughs> which I love. And um, I think there will be women who have daughters and who are wondering, how can you encourage your daughters to stay active, to stay in sport? You know, if you can see them starting to kind of fall away because of, you know, maybe it's self-esteem, maybe it's like social reasons, social pressure, you know, because it is a big commitment to be in sport. It takes up time, time that you might have with your friends or time that you might have spent otherwise. What what do you think the the best strategy is for that? Yeah, like obviously I can only kind of speak from my own personal experiences of signing up to every extracurricular activity in school because I just didn't want to be in school. I was that kind of student. (laughs) I was signing up to everything to try to get away from it. Um, And more so for me, I was more like, interested in like the different side of sports like there was basketball Gaelic football like fo- like soccer itself mm. hockey I tried hated it um <laughs> but um yeah it was always about getting out and actually through that I met new people mm. um I met people in my year that I didn't really speak to that yeah. were interested in hockey um yeah. by going to these like trials or something at, at school um and yeah I think when you're meeting new people I think that is you understand from kind of different perspectives I see it now like I'm um, the only Irish person in a, a team full of there's Germans there's Japanese Australians Norwegians Americans like there's so much different cultures in my team right now at Arsenal and it opens your perspective a lot more when you learn about different cultures and different things and um but then at the same time, I bet you also all have so much in common. Yeah, yeah, we do. We, because we there's, actually, yeah, there's got to be something tribal about that love of of football or love of sport in general. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious actually because we all kind of have that similar thing that happened to us. Whether it's going on the boys' team when we were younger and mm. being the only girl, like literally, I would say the majority of my team that happened to us when we were like ten, you know, um, and then here we are coming together playing for Arsenal yeah, because and you're the best representing our countries, yeah, because we persevered and um, we had like yeah we had our mates and, and family to support us through that, um, mm. but 
yeah for those people that maybe don't have that support network um yeah it's whether that is a best friend having an ally i always think is important Mm. okay so we're gonna encourage our kids to do so it has to be though as well it has to be whatever they love because obviously this is what you loved and so when you went and joined those teams you found people like you with the same kind of whatever the little thing is you there might be loads you don't have in common but as you say all of you on your team have a certain thing in common yeah and and maybe it's not football maybe it's not a sport maybe it's art drama singing whatever that was me I was like give me a microphone I'm happy (laughs) um um, but I suppose it's about encouraging them to find their thing isn't it really yeah and I think obviously through teachers as well I think like for me I had two teachers growing up that were paramount for kind of where I am now Mm -hmm. and that kind of pushed me and drove me to stick with the football really helped me um in terms of like maybe let me off a bit of homework at times because they knew I had a couple of games coming up and I think having that cool teacher as well to kind of help you through that um and having kind of mates as you grow older in in secondary school that transition year when you you kind of reach the other side of your your year um and try all the different things I think that was really important because for me I was then in TY I was like doing nail um we were doing like nails and like uh hair thing like we were trying different things like yeah. I didn't love it I'm not like into my beauty or whatever like well that. we did speak extensively did. about lashes and brows <laughs> before we started yeah that There's took a long time coming um, maybe that was true they doing my uh, TY projects on, on beauty um, but it, it was yeah there was those opportunities to kind of for people to to figure out what they actually love doing mm. um, and it's funny kind of seeing people who I used to go to school with now fulfilling what they actually love to do in school yeah. it's yeah it's amazing and so how, I mean, your family must be so proud of you. I think so. Ah, <laughs> uh, you must. Um, like, no, nah, to be honest, like, I wish I could get home more. Yeah. Um, I literally, like, I'm home only forever, like, a couple of hours or something like that. My mom's, I try to get my mom's dinner in when I'm yeah. home. I'm like, mom, get the dinner on. I'll be home for a couple of hours. And um, no matter, like, I'm, I'm gone now six and a half years from, like, I'm yeah. living over in London now and... Uh, each time I leave I think my mask still has a little tear or, yeah. or two when, when I'm gone and the door closes but um, no look they, they get over they see me over in London playing and at the Emirates and at Wembley which is fantastic um, I mean that is like amazing yeah I'm just I'm, I'm thrilled I mean I'm very very lucky to be able to do what I love doing and yeah. have yeah I've been playing football since I'm five and to be able to, to do it as a profession Um it unfortunately won't last forever it's a short career yeah so what do you do well I was gonna say because obviously at the moment things are intense and you're you don't get to be home but you will eventually obviously that will it because it isn't a career that you can do for your whole life yeah so what do you think you'll do then so there's a few obviously succession plans in place um I'm doing my coaching badges right now through the FAI um Mm. so you can kind of progress up the ladder to hopefully become a coach or a manager one day which will still be me involved in football um somewhat I'd like to do something in terms of business not really quite sure yet um and uh yeah there's a few things in mind would you be a pundit Um, I could do a bit of punditry I I don't know whether I don't know whether it'd be like the Roy Keane punditry or like a nice yeah I'm not sure I've not worked it out love Roy Keane yeah love him he's the man but you don't strike me as a Roy Keane no I'm too smiley you're very smiley very smiley (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe not Roy Keane to be fair the Euros is on this year in England Um, unfortunately we we didn't qualify Um, Mm. but I think that'd be a real opportunity to to potentially do some um, punditry work so you might see me on your screens get a 
girl. I'll be watching. <laughs> I can't wait. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you and meet with you. Thank you so much, Katie McKay. No, thank you. Pleasure being on. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, it is time to talk about celebs. I just love to do it. I'm delighted to have an opportunity to talk about the Kardashians in this week's dispatch because they're back. They're at it. These women, they have me in a chokehold. <laughs> they know just how to play us. Their show is coming out next week. You'll be able to see it on Disney+. Plus. And of course, that means that the publicity is ramping up and all of a sudden they're talking about all the juicy little things we're all wondering about. Um, anyway, we've got lots more to talk about than that. And I was delighted to have Jen Gannon, journalist, join me this week. Well, Miss Jennifer Gannon, it is such a joy to be with you today. Hello. Thank it you for welcoming joyous. me into your home. Oh, into my small little home. I'm like a traveling, I feel like I'm a traveling circus or something. I arrive with my like big, huge backpack. <laughs> and I'm like Carrie Bradshaw going, hello, I live here. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be here. We can see the beautiful, what is that? That is the port. That's the Dublin port at its finest. What body of water Cranes. is that though? Like, That's the daughter and the Liffey. It's, it all comes together. I think they're in a gorgeous, um, yeah, for your toilet, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be nice about it, but that's what it is mostly. And boy, can you smell it sometimes. Well, isn't it just nice to have a view? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got lots to talk about, so we better get stuck in. We are here to talk about the showbiz stories of the week. And um, we, this one, like I kept seeing, re I had a busy week and I kept mm. seeing references to this. And I was like, what is happening? Bella Hadid, yes. Richard Boyd Barrett. Our Instagram friends. And last week we were kind of like, 
we saw her post on her Instagram story something that came from Richard Boybart. And it was in relation to how the government spends more money on horse racing, our governments, than they do on, you know, care for women of suffers of domestic violence or anything like that. And it was just so very random. It was a random statistic that she put up that was attributed to him in a speech he had made. But we were all sitting there flicking between her Instagram and his going, follow her back. Follow her back, you dope. He hadn't followed her for like a, oh, nearly over a week, nearly a week. Yeah, but how <laughs> did she find him? Like, how did she get to him? Now, he is saying himself that he thinks it's because she is Palestinian and she's heavily involved in talking about Palestine itself and the political landscape. And so is he. And we, you know, Irish people have a very long history in support of Palestine. So that's where he think it's, thinks it's coming from. And I generally think he's probably right. If she is, you know, in that sphere of putting up those posts about Palestine, you're going to eventually stumble on an Irish politician saying something yeah. about that kind of thing. But he has said that, you know, she, he's only like, she only has, only follows 728 people and he's <laughs> one of them. Him and, you know, who else? Like one of the real housewives, like that's not her mom. <laughs> that's so funny because if you wanted to, like, I guess if you want Bella Hadid's attention, now we know, mm. just post regularly about Palestine. Yeah. And he said, you know, it's about his, their, her campaign and work and her advocacy for Palestine that that's why it happened but it's still it's the most random thing and he's like I'm glad I'm on her radar and now it's using it like the way politicians do about younger people hey I'm cool I'm hip to this come listen to what I have to say which is always so funny to me do we think Richard Boyd Barrett knew who Bella Hadid was before this incident absolutely not homeboy's gonna get it (laughs) so (laughs) he definitely is and I'd say Mick Wallace is raging because Uh, I mean who wouldn't want that free press like that and like she has what 50 million followers something like that a lot you cannot beat that so he you know it, it does make us look slightly hip slightly I mean were people laughing at him with him marveling at the whole thing wondering who cares yeah at the end of the day Bella Hadid follows Richard Boydbart and that's going to be one of those random stories that's going to keep on going till the end of the year so it'll be probably at Christmas you know roundups at the end of the year and, and quizzes so keep I that in it. your mind I, I love it, it. I love it I the love randomness it. of celebrity um, next up we had some big Britney news this mm. week it's Bookney bitch <laughs> she's doing it so like there's been this huge rumour since her sister Jamie Lynn had her book out that mm. Britney was going to do a kind of response to everything now it was the biggest bid in war they said since the Obamas released their book and it's something like 15 million dollars that she got for this. I mean, I'm not surprised. No, either am I because we all want to know. We all, all of want us. to know. And you know what? It's so important for her to have her say just being serious for a minute. Like it is because so many people have spoken on her behalf for so long. Like yeah. her father, his sister, you know, insiders, outsiders as well. Everyone has had commentary on Britney. All those podcasts, you know, about the, you know, which... Some of them helped the free Britney movement. Others were kind of just glomming onto the controversy yeah. and making things worse. So it's nice that she actually is thinking on her own terms and going, you know what? Finally, I want to actually say what it was happening to me and yeah. what it was like. And I think, you know, I don't know. She says it's, it's, it's very therapeutic, but also that she is sitting on a vault of stories. She said that herself of after the 13 years. So, I mean, God take cover everyone take cover I'm very excited to read it and I'm also excited for her because remember when she first when we first heard her speak in court when everyone mm. was like oh my god this 
free Britney is real. Like yeah. this is a real thing. Um, remember she said she didn't think anybody would listen to her. Which is just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I think we have seen that. Like Britney is one of the success stories, one of the only celebrity success stories because you know, these celebrities, some of these celebrities, they might not be in a conservatorship, but they are being controlled by yeah. people. Like we've seen it with Elvis. We've seen it with Brian Wilson. God help him. And, th- you know, they some of them don't actually get to tell their side of the story. They never yeah. got to tell the tale. So it's and they, that's what m- makes them feel like that for years of having people control you. You feel like you don't have a voice and nobody cares about you. So that was heartbreaking to hear her say that. So it's so... Um, exciting that she's finally going to sit down and do this and I think it'll be so freeing for her because she's doing new music at the same time she says she's going to be recording new music so this is a whole new era where she can just regain control and she also had she deleted an Instagram post that she did have this kind of you know jab at Justin Timberlake saying oh I'm doing it uh, in an intelligent way like Justin said he did when he you know was apologizing to me and Janet and she was kind of like saying 20 years after the event so I thought that was really funny but she did delete it I love it say more Brittany say yes, more say everything and <laughs> um, the Grammys happened this week oh god it yeah. seemed like a you know kind of compared to the drama of the Oscars like uh, very low-key but also I think it's really hard to care about the Grammys because they have such an insane amount to categories like I was watching it and going okay there's best album but then there's also best record what's the difference between a record and an album and then they're saying I thought oh maybe it's best song but they also have best song so I was like what the hell is going on here I don't understand they they categorize everything up to such a niche extent that it all becomes really senseless meaningless yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, but like you know, also it's kind of like the reverse Oscars because you didn't have heavy hitters like Billie Eilish didn't win anything. Lil Nas X didn't win anything, which I thought was crazy. Absolutely crazy. But you did, I, I mean, like, so you had Silk Sonic, which is Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Anderson Pack was totally in love with his wig yes. that night. I just loved him feeling himself in that I, kind of yeah. Ike Turner I was just going to say... <laughs> Not sure if that's a look you particularly want to be uh, no. connected to, but I did enjoy him in the wig. I, I did. I enjoyed the whole vibe. It was kind of like it was like an SNL sketch. They were almost involved in a seventies. Well, that's the whole, vibe. the whole Silk Sonic thing, yeah. isn't it? Like you know, we're gonna go back to soul music of the seventies, mm. and that's their aesthetic and stuff. I think it's cool, and I really like the music. But you know, I, I just, I yeah, it was a very weird. Like, winners-wise. But then again, everyone won, when you think about it. When you go through the list, you're like, oh, you know, Gaga won with Tony Bennett. And, like, yeah. Doja Cat won with SZA. And then that, that which was, was a great win. And Gaga got down on her knees to lift up her dress, for like, SZA's dress, because she was on crutches. Can we just talk about Gaga? Like, Gaga's whole... She just... I just don't think anyone does award season like Gaga. Because no. she, she loves it. She's like me. She's a little ham. <laughs> <laughs> she is a ham. But I love how, like, you know, she exactly. She's, you know, if she's not weeping at someone's victory. She's fixing their dress. <laughs> she's telling Caitlyn Jenner she's changed baristas. <laughs> she's to like, get away from her. <laughs> like, I feel like none of the big Gaga moments this year have been around actual award wins or anything no. or even nominations. It's all been just Gaga gagging. Yeah, like, for people. She's my the favorite Liza Nelly Whisperer that's what I call oh, her no, now that so beautiful was, we talked about it last week but that was so be- like if you have not watched that clip yet of, of Gaga and Liza Minnelli at the Oscars uh, please do because it was so beautiful and also like she kind of did the same thing with Tony Bennett at the Grammys because yeah. Tony 
Bennett has retired from performing because yeah. of his developing Alzheimer's. And she did a whole performance just with pictures uh, of, and footage of them in the background. Yeah. And then at the end, she kind of just went, I love you, Tony. And I burst into tears, obviously, because I love her. I <laughs> presume you've seen, I know you have, Jen, but there's a gorgeous video of him um, doing, I think it's like one of his last performances. And she's talking about it too. And she's talking about the fact that when he, you know, he's he's obviously not always connected to mm. where he is or the people around him. But when he walks on stage, it all, he comes, comes alive. Yeah. It's truly amazing the way music and art can help people who are having issues with memory or their cognitive ability or dementia mm. or whatever it is, can help them kind of connect to who they are. Completely. like, And I, I think he's such... An amazing performer. He's one of my auntie's favorite performers ever. And that you can see that like twinkle in his eye that just comes back because he so enjoys yeah. being on stage and connecting with people in that kind of visceral way. Yeah. And it's just, it is beautiful to watch. Like it really is. And, you know, I think this is the year that people have discovered that, you know, Lady Gaga is a real lady. She is such a lady. She like respects, like she has so much respect for her peers and, yeah. and they're like, you know, the generation before her and the generation before yeah. that. And even like the generation coming up under her. She's so good at it. Yeah, sorry. I started laughing there because I was thinking about in the Gaga documentary, which if you, again, if you have not seen the Gaga documentary, five foot two, two we're yeah. the same height. So five that's why we know it. It's on Netflix. It's so good. But there's this amazing scene where Gaga goes to her grandmother's house and she's talking about her aunt Joanne who died, obviously, who, who mm. one of Gaga's albums is named after. And Gaga is like weeping and like, oh, Joanne. And the grandmother is just not. Like, yeah. And it's like, you didn't even meet her. You didn't even know her. She died before you were born, girl. Get yourself together. She's like, just so much. I love her. She's such a little theater kid, yeah. like in that way that yeah. she just, but she's pure entertainment for the whole 100%. award season. And if we didn't have her, we'd have barely anything to talk I about apart from Will Smith. Fully <laughs> agree. And we're not going to talk about him this week. No. He's gotten enough attention. Now, from the Grammys, we mm. will go to Courtney and Travis, who also went from the Grammys to another venue. Holy crap. They got fake marriage. Well, starter marriage, kind of. You practice know, marriage. Practice marriage. Yeah. So at two o'clock in the morning, they rolled up to Chapel in Vegas after having many a tequila and decided to tie the knot. But it's not legally binding because they didn't have a license. Yeah. So I'm breathing a sigh of relief because, for one, I do not want to see Courtney getting married in this yellow top that was vintage Versace apparently which has this massive crucifix on it which looks like something from Morgan's circa 1999 <laughs> and those stupid matrix shades that nobody looks good in so I was relieved to know that this was you know not legally binding no I want the proper I want a full wedding I want yeah. the looks and I think they're going to give it to us it seems like obviously the new Kardashian series starts next week yes on Hulu in America and it's going to be on Disney plus mm. here if you want to watch it um I for when I'm living so the Kardashians are I don't think anyone is better than the Kardashians at playing the publicity game. No. So they've obviously been planting seeds for all of these things like Courtney and Travis, Pete and Kim. Mm. And now they're drip feeding us little bits of inside information. So we know that the Courtney Travis engagement is going to be in the show. Yeah. Kim and the Pete. whole family just did a big interview with Good Morning America where they're yeah. talking about the Pete Davison relationship. Yeah. Um, like 
they know when to give us the information so that we're all just hot for them right but before the they launch the thing new series. that I've been thinking about this is those relationships have been allowed to kind of blossom and progress when the hot lights of the cameras have been off. Away, yeah. And we know as seasoned Kardashian viewers of the whole Kardashian curse when it comes to men. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, will this change then when the cameras go on and are following them around? Now, I know Travis is very used to it because he had that show, Meet the Barkers. Yeah, I watched every minute of so it. So did I. And, and where do you think <laughs> And then when they had the whole cake that was like the nightmare before Christmas cake and like obsessed to true romance. And then when you see Courtney echoing this, you're like, does he just do this to every I girlfriend? Know. And like, I mean, I think in one way it's sweet. They have a, seem to have a great relationship. But in another way, I'm like, isn't it kind of like when you're in school and the most popular girl in school goes goth for yeah. her boyfriend? And yeah. it's like, there are ways that you can glam and be sophisticated and get into that world. But she just looks like she's just shopping in Asha in the Steve's Green <laughs> Shopping so Center. I actually just love it like I can't get I enough I can't get enough like, but it's so ridiculous no, but I am is. kind of worried about what Pete Davidson will feel like and how he will feel with this because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that likes the the lights on him all the time and Kim as we know lives for it um so I'm, I think, I'm worried about that oh uh, yeah yeah I do think though that she knows how to play it now mm. like I think the Kim of you know, 15 years ago, we know she was calling the paparazzi and erasing, you know, yeah. arranging the shoots and like all the rest. But now I think she picks and chooses and is very much in control of what people see and don't see. Mm. So I feel like they'll manage it. I hope so. I hope so. Also, I just still think of him as Ariana Grande's oh, boyfriend. Me I mean, me too. I'm sorry. I saw that interview with on Ellen and she was going on about how great their relationship is. And I still in my brain, I was like, but that's Ariana Grande's boyfriend, even though she is married to a completely different person. And he's had a million women since then, including Sally Webster's daughter what was in Bridgerton but I still <laughs> cannot wrap my head around it and he has three tattoos now dedicated to I her I know my girl I love is a it. lawyer I love it but I do I have thought many times what is Ariana Grande like Ariana Grande in the WhatsApp group with her best friends like, what know. are they saying I'm dying to know me too and also I do love that song Pete Davidson I'm sorry so I'm do sorry. I I'm an apologist so do I, I, I love think, that whole album I think that sounds like falling in love it, it yeah. sounds like an infatuation and it's so great we I can totally just agree. rename it we can rename it Timothee Chalamet that's why I call it I couldn't agree more well, look, I really want all of the Kardashian relationships to go well. I want um, so badly for Courtney and Travis to work out because Me too. Courtney just looks so happy. Like, even if you look at the photos from that their fake wedding, mm. like, they're, like, laughing so hard. Yeah. Courtney's on the ground laughing at one I love stage. That. Like, it's messy, but they seriously seem to just absolutely love each other. The way that, that she lasts. acts with him in that way is the way that she acts with her sisters, which yeah. I think is great. because and the that way feels she acted with Scott at the very beginning. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's like Courtney's back. Yeah. Now, do we actually know Courtney? No. no. <laughs> but we watched her for many years. Yeah. And I feel like we know her. And just, like, even to say, like, because we have to nod to it, I think Kim has been so amazing at this time. Uh, like, just very measured in her approach about Kanye yes. and talking about Kanye and talking about how for her children's sake that they still obviously adore their dad and she's trying to work it out behind the scenes for the best and she would never bag mate him which I just think she's been a class unbelievable act, a yeah. class act and I really enjoyed in that Good Morning America we've only seen a clip although actually I think it was on TV on Wednesday so I'm yeah. like might see can I sniff Aww. out and I'll copy of that but there was a clip released where she said she just feels really ha it feels really good to be happy and at peace mm. and I am so happy for her yeah how serious is it? I mean I am a like relationship kind of girl for sure and I wouldn't be with someone if I didn't plan on spending a lot of my time with them. Obviously I want to take my time 
but I'm very happy and very content and it's such a good feeling just to be at peace. Jen Gannon, thank you so much. Where thank can people you. find you? I am on Twitter saying things about Timothee Chalamet and Adam Driver that may not, <laughs> that might shock you. Um, and it's Jen Pops, so it's J-E-N-N Pops. And I'm everywhere. I'm uh, on the radio, in She's the She's everywhere. She really is Come everywhere. follow me. She's a hard worker. <laughs> thank you so much, thank Jen. Thank you. Now it is time for me to say goodbye, but before I do, please allow me to give you a few recommendations of what you might want to watch or listen to this week. Going to recommend the new Pillow Queens album, Leave the Light On. You know I love Pillow Queens, of course. I think I've mentioned them in every episode of this podcast so far, which stands at a whopping three. Uh, But Pillow Queens, obviously great Irish band. Um, They are responsible for the theme song for this show, which is called How Do I Look? And they released a new album this week and it is excellent. It's being well reviewed all over the place. They're touring America at the moment and absolutely killing it. And it's just brilliant music. I think you'll enjoy it. So give it a listen. I'm going to recommend and I know that there are some people who are like, come on, I'm not a housewives person. But I have to recommend if you have not watched The Real Housewives of New Jersey I'm enjoying it so much at the moment. I think it's become my favorite franchise to watch right now. They're definitely the episodes that I'm looking forward to the most. And I wanted to mention it specifically because this season there's something really interesting happening. And we don't really get to see the housewives being completely honest about really anything. I mean, maybe in the early seasons, but these days, you know, they're playing the game. They know what they're doing. They're creating drama out of nothing. It's it's part of it. But this season, Jackie on The Real Housewives of New Jersey is being really honest and upfront about her eating disorder. She's mentioned it in previous series. She was presenting it as something that she was kind of recovered from or in recovery from. But this season, she's being really honest about the fact that she's still very much in the grip of her eating disorder and she is welcoming us as an audience into her treatment. And she's being so straight up about it all. It's really quite moving. And I think it probably will be helpful to lots and lots of people who have been in similar situations or maybe know someone who's in a similar situation. And what's interesting is it's happening kind of completely independently of the rest of the housewives or the rest of what's going on on the program. Like normally it would be something, you know, the everything's up for discussion. Everybody knows about everything, but that's not really the tone of it this season. Um, and it makes it really special. So I just wanted to mention that this week in case you were looking for a new new housewife series to watch and uh, maybe you've watched the kind of obvious ones like your New York's and your Beverly Hills and you wanted something new, I would recommend New Jersey. Uh, And then before I go, if you happen to be in Galway this weekend, if you're listening on Friday or indeed Saturday morning, I am moderating a conversation in the Town Hall Theatre as part of Kirsch Festival uh, on Saturday afternoon with Emer McLeisett and Sarah Breen, who are, of course, the authors of the Oh My God, What a Complete Album. Welcome to Bethany Rusher who is the author of a new adult novel called Welcome to Your Life. I specify adults because her previous books were young adult fiction. Um, And I'm super excited about it. Bethany used to be a plus size blogger. She doesn't really do that anymore. But Bethany is honestly one of the reasons that I, she played a huge role in me kind of evolving in the way that I think and feel about my body. Um, Now, I sometimes think evolution is actually a bit of a misnomer in this kind of circumstance because it's not like 
you know, you go from hating your body to loving it and that's the finished product. Like in my experience, it's more like a spiral. You go up and down and up and down and up and down and you make slow progress and it's never really finished. And sometimes you can take two steps back. But anyway, for me, in opening my eyes to the fact that there was another way to live as a fat person other than just hating yourself your entire life, Bethany was a huge part of that. And so I'm super excited about chatting with her this weekend with Emer and Sarah. And I've been reading her book, uh, Welcome to Your Life, in preparation for this event. And I would really recommend it if you're someone who lives in a bigger body and is still really struggling with that and really finding that it's really impacting the choices that you're making a bit like that Dove research we discussed earlier if it's still making you think that there are loads of things that you can't do if you're still kind of in the throes of that I think Welcome to Your Life would be a really good read because the main character is someone who's kind of on that journey of discovery that there is life beyond you know wearing black and thinking that you can't I don't know go to an exercise class or whatever it's it's actually quite gorgeous in that way so uh, I guess that's my book recommendation this week Welcome to your life. Anyway, if you're going to the event, I will see you there. Otherwise, I will talk to you next Friday. Thank you so much for listening. If you have time and you feel like rating, reviewing, following, subscribing, all those kind of things, I would be so, so grateful. You know where I am. I'm Louise McSharry on social media and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.